Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Modern Golden Age podcast. And this, my friends, is a very special episode because two, two, because two major reasons. The first one is um, it's my first um, Modern Golden Age podcast episode with a Portuguese friend. But we're talking in English, so everyone understands. And the second one is because Tiago uh, is a very special person to me and to even to this project of the Modern Golden Age and the, the not only the podcast, but me wanting to build something uh, bigger with it. So it's it's a, a real pleasure to have you here, Tiago. Thank you so much for uh, accepting my invitation to be in, in the podcast. How are you? Well, I'm, I'm good. And let me tell you that it's a pleasure to be here with you after like so many conversations that we had about about this and about your vision yeah and and it's so weird because we were usually um we talk in portuguese right and i'm listening yeah. <laughs> to your to your to your english for the first time and it's not fair because your girlfriend teaches english and so you'll have a better accent and a better pronunciation but that's uh, I'll, i'll accept it well we, so, we can also we can also make it in spanish if you prefer no bueno <laughs> we, we no can bueno. switch languages it's not <laughs> no no good no good no good uh but yeah so i wanted to start actually before i i actually ask you the first question i wanted to say to everyone and and, and, and to explain to everyone listening why um you're one of my uh special guests in the podcast because you were actually one of the first person uh one of the first people i talked to about um the podcast and me wanting to pursue this idea of the modern golden age uh in fact you're you're usually one of the first Uh, friends that I reach out when I have a new idea to get some feedback on because I deeply admire the way you think about the world um, and actually this is this is going to be a great podcast because of it because you've been researching some of the uh, some areas that I'm not that familiar with like sustainability uh, the circular economy all that stuff and uh, but even though you're you operate in different areas we're actually together by a bunch of values and that's something and a friendship of course which is something that i really uh, admire and uh, tiago is a very special guest today because when i was talking to him about the podcast i was telling him that that was somehow my vision but it was lacking something and tiago was actually someone who came up in some people that listen to the podcast or follow me on Twitter or on my newsletter, they know that one of my main goals is to create this modern golden age of a place where everyone that's working on projects that can, that will give birth to a, a modern golden age can come and connect with like-minded people and build these different projects or just hang out. Um, And, and that idea actually came from a conversation with Tiago. So if, Uh, when this uh, hub is uh, will when when it's a reality uh, it's in part because of our conversation so that's why Tiago is a very special guest that's why Tiago you're a very special guest so my first uh, thought on this podcast it was just to appreciate you and your feedback on that conversation so from the bottom of my, but from the bottom of my, my heart thank you you're you're welcome my friend and I hope to um i mean all our conversations are very insightful for both sides it's not only for, for on your side uh nevertheless i would love to have like um a statue made of plants in the hub when it's when it's done um, <laughs> we'll definitely do that yeah, yeah so, like, so yeah 
Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll be the statue like we're in, in the have like this very big open space in the middle, like a giant statue of yourself. Yes. Yeah, but it, so, it has to be like in a, in a with plants. So in that way, you are yeah. carbon offsetting some of the emissions yeah. that you are uh, emitting with your operations. Yeah, of course. So let's start before we get into sustainability, and of course, talking about the modern golden age because I would love to have your your take on it. Um, let's start with how we met. So uh, we met in when you were the president of this NGO here in Portugal called Gapier Portugal. And I was wondering if you, you could talk a little bit about what they do and your experience as a leader of that organization. Okay, so uh, going a little bit back in time, Gapier Portugal is, uh, an, org- is an NGO that at the moment has around 10 years, 10, 11 years. And it all started when um, Gonzalo, the founder, was doing a gap year to, throughout the world, and he realized like how impactful that experience um, was to him. So at the moment, Gonzalo and Tiago, that was the other person that was do- doing the gap year uh, with him, together they decided to come back to Portugal and create an NGO that will be making a gap year a possibility for every young person in Portugal. So mm-hmm. that's how we started. And then there were two main goals with this NGO. One of them was promoting the concept because unfortunately here in Portugal, it was something that it was not very known. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it has to do with the culture. People want security in their lives. They want to follow a straight line. Um, so one of the parts was related with um, promoting the concept and then the second was giving the tools and frameworks and and well all the necessary things for these young people to do their own gap year mm-hmm. and uh yeah, yeah well in, in a nutshell then we have they have a lot of projects we i mean they do a lot of things in schools mm-hmm. in universities um with with the city councils they have an amazing uh, projects and while the main goal more much more than a gap year uh, it's like the goal of the NGO is to build what they call a generation um, plus, plus a plus generation it's like yeah. a generation of people with skills uh, that allow the human the humanity to to drive let's mm-hmm. say yeah, and, and we met there because you were present back then. We created this friendship. Um, and uh, back then, we both uh, were thinking about the, the same problem, which was the, the educational system and how we can change it. And we were passionate about it. Uh, in fact, when I built and uh, uh, when I started to build my own NGO, What Drives Youth, which as many of the listeners know, it failed, but you were one of the persons that was actually down in the trenches with me, helping me build it. Um, but I do remember that in that moment, while I was just reaffirming that the education and teaching people and connecting people and using education as a tool to bring a modern golden age, even though I didn't know, I, I didn't use that expression back then, uh, was my calling. You slowly drift into another calling, which was sustainability. And I was wondering before we start that, like, what were the main reasons that made you switch? Why did you end up going from trying to solve the education problem to just focus on sustainability? Okay, so the short answer is facing reality. (laughs) Uh, The the long one, and maybe I can go a little bit 
back on track. I, my background is uh, on management. I started working uh, in China um, in the non-formal education sector. Then I came back to Portugal, where I am from, and I started to work in this NGO. And I, I mean, I love what I was doing. And I thought, okay, I will be a social entrepreneur in education in the education uh, sector for the rest of my life because we really need to make a shift um, in this sector and I want to be part of it. Um, but then at some point, I participated at, at a bootcamp uh, from Lidera, a community of young leaders um, from multiple backgrounds that wanted to be brought together and discuss climate change and try to understand a little bit the things that were happening. And at, at the moment, um, I had no relationship and I mean, yeah, I had no relationship with the issue. So I thought it was something really far away from me. Um, mm -hmm. But then I went to this bootcamp where we had scientists, anthropologists, um, managers, politicians, people working like in the health sector, people from everywhere. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was a clear consensus, consensus especially from the climate scientists. And basically the consensus is we need to change. At the mm. moment, we are um, at, a, at a time, at a place that everything that we take for granted, we can lose it. Mm -hmm. um, it's like an inv invisible change that is happening, but will fundamentally change the way uh, we operate, the way we relate with each other, and the way we have been working for the past centuries. So mm -hmm. I realized, um, and then, well, I started to, uh, to, to feel something called climate anxiety. Uh, and at that moment, um, I changed. So first, I decided to make some small changes, like change my behavior with small things. Mm -hmm. But then it was not <clears throat> enough. So I made the decision to shift towards a career in the sustainability field and try to use the knowledge that I already had in the past mm -hmm. to this new field and help in this transition. Um, mm -hmm. Because my mindset or what I realized was like, I mean, why am I working in education if we will not have a society um, that is like operating in the proper way and, and maybe mm -hmm. education, maybe we will not have education in the future because like the conditions will be so bad that all the work I'm doing will be wasted in the future. Mm -hmm. So it's like, let's first secure the baseline mm -hmm. and then, yeah, education. Build up is, on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that was more or less that. Yeah. So, and, and, and so let's start that because you mentioned a bunch of different things um and usually in my head when i think about sustainability the first thing that comes to mind is precisely climate change but sustainability goes uh, a little bit beyond that right there's a bunch of stuff yeah. in in there so maybe help me understand a little bit about it so when we talk about sustainability which is something that we see uh, all around us right now uh companies talk about it public figures talk about it, politicians talk about it, like what do we mean when you talk about sustainability? Well, 
sustainability nowadays is a really broad term and and usual usually not usually but a lot of times can be misused um mm. by some people but basically the concept of sustainability is uh doing i mean operating in a way uh that you can guarantee the needs of today without um I'm trying to do the translation in my mind. Yeah. So, uh, like using the resources that you have today to operate your society without uh, putting in danger future generations. Um, so that is there is more or less like the general mm -hmm. concept. Mm -hmm. And then you have a lot of areas that you can um, work on when you are talking about sustainability. So sustainability, first of all, is not only about environmental change um challenges of mm -hmm. course that you you have environmental challenges but you always have to consider a triple dimension so mm -hmm. the environmental side the economical side and the social part mm. as well and, and, and uh, yeah, sorry sorry to, to interrupt but like right. from those three um points in your experience like because because I mean, you're focused on finding solutions. You and a bunch of other people are focused on finding solutions. And my question is like, from in order to have different solutions from those problems, we'll definitely need to tackle those three areas that you just mentioned. Like from the economic, the environment and the social one, what is the one that brings, that's hard, hardest to change? Well, all of them are difficult to change because after all, they are all interconnected. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, for example, sometimes you can, for instance, here in Portugal, you can decide to close um, some energy factory that is um, producing uh, energy, but they are using coal. And, um, well, you, you can close this factory and you can change into uh, hydrogen solution or something like that. But you have to consider that you had hundreds, thousands of people working in this factory. So mm -hmm. if you are closing these, you have to find a solution and probably reskill um, these people in yeah. order for them to have uh, an alternative job. Um, yeah. So when you talk about climate change, most of the time you also talk about a just transition. Uh, yeah. and, and basically this is making the changes um, in, like that will benefit the environment mm -hmm. without forgetting that at the end of the day, we want to make people to have a good life. Um, yeah. So not forgetting people in the way. Yeah, it's because it's that, that's what's fascinating. And that's why I, I really wanted to talk with you, which is um, like most of the people uh, or actually not most of the people because I haven't done that research, but the, the things that I read about climate change and the people that I usually talk about climate change and look, I, I mean, no way a climate change denier. I do think we really <laughs> need to change. But the thing is, um, usually when, when we think about it, we think about making a lot of changes that will hurt us. And what you just mentioned, you, you, you just switched the narrative. You just said, look, you can just go in and close the coal factory and forget about the hundreds of employers, the employees that are there and that they suddenly have nothing to, to do and how, how will their lives be impacted. So, so uh, that, that, that makes total sense. And 
uh, still in, 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 in that area, like in the different problems around sustainability, one of your focus is on climate change, right? Yeah, especially climate change and, and how, circular, how the circular economy principles can tackle a climate change. Yeah, so let's, let's, let's go into that. So the first thing is um, maybe in order for us to understand that problem, it, it, it has basically two areas, so climate change and uh, circular economy. So let's start with, um, I, I think everyone knows what climate change is, but uh, do you want to have, do you have any like additional commentaries that you want to share about that topic? Uh, for us to get even scared, scared uh, of how impactful that may be. Okay, so maybe before uh, diving into uh, like the scientific explanation, I'll mm -hmm. just give you an example that uh, at the time I didn't understand how impactful that was to me, but now like when I look back, I realized that it was a really important moment. Um, so in 2017, here in Portugal, we had. Uh, big fires uh, in yeah. like an area uh, called Pedrogão Grande, yeah. um, where a lot of acres of land were burned. We had a lot of people that lost their houses, uh, lost everything that they had um, to sustain themselves, and there were even dozens of, pe of people that yeah. died from that yeah. incident. Um, and at the time, like a friend and I. Um, we couldn't look at that and not doing anything. So we decided to gather a group of people, try to find some goods that were really necessary uh, in this point, in those areas, and go there um, with everything that we could collect. It. So we ended up being like in the forefront of um, giving this support to some of the people that were most affected in these areas. And uh, well, It was really, I mean, it's, it's hard to describe in words what I felt at that moment because listening to that people that went through a lot of suffering, like in a night, in a day, everything that they have built or most of the things that they have built was gone. Were, were, were just lost, were gone. Yeah. And uh, th there was one specific person uh, that really touched me. She was... Well, she was an old woman called uh, Dona Maria Irene. Um, and uh, while she was 70 years old, um, she, she was a farmer, so she, she used to work in a camp. Uh, she had a lot of animals, but with the fire, everything uh, was burned, just like a small um, cottage that she had with some... Um, with some tools that survived mm -hmm. and she had, she had no support. She had no one else to help her. She had an husband that was like in a bed and needed medical devices to, mm -hmm. to help him. Um, and she was really desperate because there was nothing. She, she had lost everything and there was nothing that she could do and no one to support her like in overcoming this situation. Plus mm -hmm. like after the fires, someone went there before we arrived and robbed her. Um, like they went and Jesus. took away, took away all the tools that she had to work the land. Mm -hmm. And well, at the moment I thought this could have happened like to my grandfather, to, to my grandmother, or even to me, like in the mm -hmm. future. Um, and for me, when I talk about climate change, I mean, 
of course that this situation is specific it's not possible to mm -hmm. prove that it was due climate change mm -hmm. however science tells us that this type of extreme weather conditions um that then cause disasters mm -hmm. uh, like fires storms uh floods mm -hmm. will be more and more frequent and at the end of the day this has as huge impacts in people's mm -hmm. life like pe people that live far away from us but mm -hmm. also people that we love and that yeah. are just like or, or even to us i mean for example last year in belgium and germany there were huge floods that it's really easy to find if you look on the internet that i mean you add completely um co complete cities under water and mm -hmm. people lost cars uh, i mean the gardens some of the houses um and well i mean now you start to see these events and mm -hmm. they happen here there but what the science tells us is if we continue this path the problem will get worse mm -hmm. and uh, this will be more and more frequent so yeah for me it's like the environmental part that affects the social the, the social sphere and the people yeah. um so but the the biggest issue i think you just nailed it which is um most of the times those things um happen far away from me right and so i'm okay with it because uh, I, I i i like i live near leria which is the place um near where the fire that you mentioned happened and and i remember that in we couldn't go like i live uh it's a bunch of kilometers um far from from the, the place where the fires were burning and still we couldn't leave the house because there was smoke all around um and 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 so but but until then like most people see that problem as point a like far away point b Maybe they didn't. They don't even recognize that climate change is is the issue, right? They they they'll look at the fire, they look at the flood, and say, "Well, well, those are things that happen." I, they 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 don't make that connection. Um, and and my question is, and I I don't know if you have an answer, but I would love to have your take on it, which is like, how can we um, help people understand that those things are not as far as they think like sure that specific flood happened in germany sure but the issue that made that flood happen is actually very close to you like how can we reduce that gap okay so i think it comes back to the beginning of our conversation uh, education uh because you will only try to solve a problem if you first recognize that there is a problem and uh, that you can contribute to that change. Mm -hmm. So first of all, I would say that, I mean, humans are beings of habits. So mm -hmm. it's really hard for someone to change an habit. And here we are not only talking about individual changes, but collective changes to yeah. make uh, a shift. And I mean, it's, it's difficult if you go and and have a conversation with someone and say hey you are eating meat did you know that your meat is contributing to climate change to biodiversity um to the loss of biodiversity mm -hmm. to um 
natural resources scarcity. And there, there is this type of activism that I, I think a lot of times is used called, called guilt activism that basically is trying to make people feel guilt to act. But most of the time, this doesn't like have results because people just feel like, okay, like you are having this conversation with me. I kind of feel bad. So I don't even want to hear what you are saying. And, to yeah, me, and, and, and they also, sorry, but they also see right. it as an attack, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, like if, if you came to me and say, look, you're a dumbass that eating, that's eating meat and you're this and you're that. The first thing that I'm going to do as a human being, I'm going to go in, into defense mode. Yeah. I'm going to, to, to right? I'll offer resistance to your idea. And, and, and then there is a second part. Um, it's when we are talking about climate change or biodiversity uh, loss or other problems in the sustainability, not, not only the environmental part, we are talking about complex topics. Um, and most of the time, it's really hard to understand what are the connections and to understand what is happening. So here mm -hmm. enters the education. Make mm -hmm. sure that people understand what the problem is. And then, and I think this is the most important part make them understand or give the tools so they can be part of that change uh, either as citizens either as students or as consumers or as someone that works somewhere that can start to have more sustainable practices but we all in our lives can contribute somehow to this change of course that just by ourselves we will not change the world but at the end of the day, is always these small changes inside each one of us that will contribute to a bigger shift. Yeah, and I, I think one of the problems is that that's that's actually really hard to to see because, um, like, I, I can put myself in in a places uh, of someone who wants to contribute to climate change stopping, um, and I'll definitely have I'll 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 definitely have a bunch of places and practices that I need to change in order to to contribute to it, uh, reducing even more. But even so, I, I I'll, I'll still try to do it. However, I can put myself into in 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 a spot where I look at uh, at the changes that people will ask me to do and think, well, but. I'm just one person. I'll, I'm not going to have that many impact. And of course, there are a bunch of people who will do it. So let them do it. And I'll keep it here. And maybe uh, this, this will figure it out, right? Uh, like, and and I, I don't think there's actually a clear solution to that. Because I think that's part of the human nature. You, you care mostly about what's important to you. And what's more than what's important, what's relevant to you. And what's relevant, uh, it's usually something that's near you. So it's, it's really hard for me to worry about problems that I don't see or that I don't connect with, right? Yeah, and uh, well, mm -hmm. I think that we as a human species, at some point we disattach with nature. Um, mm -hmm. So we, we think that we can control nature and that we live outside um, mm -hmm. nature, the natural world, let's say. And we forget where our food comes from, we forget that we need water to survive, we forget that we need materials to build all of the things that we have around us. Mm -hmm. um, and most of the time when people think about sustainability, they think as 
not a problem for the humankind, like a mm. problem for the forests, a, a problem for the oceans, but not something that will directly affect humans uh, because we are like above nature somehow. And uh, well, I think that what you need, it's once again, bring um, education so, like in a, to try to decodify all these really complex issues mm -hmm. into something that people can understand. And here, if you that are out there listening to this podcast or watching this podcast, there is a really good, nice tool called Climate Tresk uh, that basically uh, is a Climate sorry. Tresk. Oh, first. Or um, in Portuguese, Mural do Clima, mm. that in, is a three-hour workshop that will basically tell you what climate um, change is through a card game. So you have here, this is the Portuguese version, but you have like different cards, you are playing in a group and um, you will understand like what are the causes, what are the consequences, what is the issue, the big frame, all based in the most uh, like actual um, climate science done mm -hmm. by IPCC from United Nations. Um, and well, this is the type of tools that I think we need. Mm -hmm. Tools that can teach people to learn in a fun way, uh, like bring people together using gamification mm -hmm. to instead of making people um, feeling guilt, mm -hmm. making them empowered and mm -hmm. in a way they can act. Yeah, so you just mentioned something that I've never thought about, um, which was like, um, I mean, I thought about that, but not in, in relationship with climate change, which is we as human species lost touch with nature. Yeah. Um, and, and do you believe that if we find a way as a species to connect with nature, that some of these practices would be easier to adopt? For sure. I mean, yeah. because, for example, if we look at our country measure its success as a country, let's say, you look at GDP and mm -hmm. well, GDP, it's a, a metric that it's like merely an economic um, mm. metric. metric indicator. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of things that you are losing looking just at that uh, specific matter, metric. It, it's related with a lot of things in the past that like social um, people add more, uh, the middle, middle income families, the number of middle income families grew, uh, mm -hmm. Usually, economic growth is related with a better um, quality of life. Yeah. But, I mean, there are a lot of things that are not considered in that metric. And one of them, for example, is where are we getting our resources? Mm -hmm. uh, because to have, like, all of that economic growth, we need, most of the time, resources to build things up. Mm -hmm. And that... Uh, these resources are, are not like unlimited. There is mm -hmm. a limited amount of resources. And to have these resources, sometimes we have to go to a forest and cut the forest or go to some place and start, start to mine a, a place. And there is a lot, I mean, there is 
you lose an ecos- a natural ecosystem that mm-hmm. gives life to a lot of um, animals and these animals have interconnections that yeah. we don't even understand yeah. uh, and we don't even know at this point. Yeah, um, so I think it's, yeah, it's a matter of what we um, value at the end of the day. Yeah, and, and I think, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I was just saying that, for, for instance, for me, and, and I believe that for a lot of Portuguese people, uh, talking a little bit about our country, like we're used to see trees, see, uh, and, 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 uh, and, and nature. And, but, but I wonder, like, someone who just spends his whole life in a city with almost no parks, with almost no touch in nature, where any, any nature that he sees, he sees on TVs or on videos, if I don't have that connection, um, I think that, that that's going to be harder um, to, to, to change the, the, the mindset and the, the availability of that person to, to actually start to practice new things um, because they don't have like a direct connection uh, with, with nature, right? Um, I mean, I, I'm just saying this because I'm like one of the things that really blew my mind um, when I was when I was younger was realizing that a lot of people never saw the sea. Like to me, this is crazy because <laughs> I, I, I've always lived like 10 minutes or a 10 minute car ride to, to the sea. But the same that's more like people live in, in, in these complex industrial cities where and they have like zero touch with nature trying to make them understand that they need to change it's 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 hard and i do believe that you're spot on when when you mention like education as 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 part of the solution because in order to build like this sustainable change and systematic change um people need to understand what are all the forces that that are connecting and also have like this clear path of what are things that i can do um, to, to, to make it. And I do have one more question, Tiago, which is um, one of the things that I personally believe as a trainer, as an entrepreneur, as a, uh, someone who thinks a lot about education and about human beings, one of the things that I really um, know actually that works when, when bringing some kind of change is to find like the minimal viable action. Like what's the smallest thing that you can do that somehow contributes to 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 achieving that goal and then start to capitalize on that. Like if someone who's listening to the podcast and, and thinks, well, okay, I want to change, what's the minimal viable action that they can make in order to contribute to a better climate situation in the world? So going, about, going again to what we were talking about, the first thing is understanding the problem. Just so educate yourself about the issue, about climate change, about diversity, uh, biodiversity loss, about the sustainability mm-hmm. challenges that we have had. Because only once you have a minimum comprehension of the challenge, you can act on it, either at an individual level or at a systemic level, you have first to understand the problem. Um, and, mm-hmm. and I think, I mean, we live in a time going back to, when, to where we started, we live in a time where sustainability is a trendy word, uh, but most of the time we don't know what is implicit and we don't understand 
what sustainability should work for. So mm. once again, find ways to learn uh, about sustainability. You have, for example, Climate Fresque that I told you, uh, they have um, workshops all around the world. You also mm -hmm. have online workshops. There's also other types of workshops from with the same mindset. So you have one about circular economy, one about the oceans, one about digital transition. Um, that will be the first step I would mm -hmm. recommend to anyone that wants to tackle the challenge is first understand why you want to tackle. Mm -hmm. And that makes little sense. However, I'm going to just push you back a little and, and, and <laughs> say like, 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 for instance, let's say that I'm, I'm a 50 years old man. Um, and, and I, my granddaughter, uh, just mentioned this, or my daughter just mentioned this thing called climate change. I don't want to go to an workshop. I just really want to know what practice can I do for her to be happy and for me to contribute to a bigger, because, because I'm just mentioning this because I believe that that's one of the issues in, 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 in this, um, field is that. It's, it's, of course, it's important for us to understand the problem. And most people working on this are people that care about the problem and are youngsters that do have the availability and the need and the, 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 the desire to learn more about the problem. However, there are a bunch of people that don't and still want to contribute. And to those people, can you, can you just say, name a few practices or, or you just believe that it's, it's impossible to do that and the first thing that they really need to do is to understand the problem because once again we are talking about a systemic problem and when we are talking about a systemic problem we have different players in this ecosystem let's say mm -hmm. and depending where you are you can do different things mm -hmm. so for example imagine that you are a student mm -hmm. uh, your actions uh, you are a student and you are vegetarian and you don't uh, go, you don't travel by airplane, you only use tra uh, a train or like uh, like a bus run that, that goes with hydrogen, I don't know, mm -hmm. uh, it will be a completely different so like type of actions than, for example, a CEO of an er energy company that mm -hmm. has a lot of people under is um, or our rule mm. um, because when we are talking about change we are talking about individual change so the things that I can do as an individual in my home with my family with my friends but we are also talking about the things that we can do as citizens mm -hmm. so for example being involved in um, local politics or being like an activist and fight for certain rights. But we can also talk about us as um, workers. So we are in a certain workplace. What can we do to make sure that our organization is contributing to a better world? Um, so it, I would say that it completely depends on where you are who you are and what you are already doing plus what's your influence in all of these different mm -hmm. um, spheres yeah yeah i get it i don't know i don't know if he the answer no, no, that's, yeah, yeah 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 that, that's fine i think i think you mentioned a bunch of things that people that um that people may do um regardless of 
whatever context they're in, like probably decreasing the amount of meat and fish that they eat will help. Things like using more public transportation will also help. Uh, but yeah, you, you raise a good point. Like it depends on your your sphere, right? If you're a CEO, you'll, or you'll probably have different things that you need to do um, that if you're someone, a, a normal, let's say, citizen. Yeah, so... And, and, and here, just one more thing that is, a lot of the times we aim to be perfect. Uh, so all the changes that we want to do, we try to make them in a perfect way. Uh, but the truth is, of course, that we need a big shift. But if each one of us, if we cannot make that big shift like at once, we can at least to try to make small shifts mm-hmm. in our lives. Uh, and even if you know that it's not perfect, but I mean, th- there is no perfect way of living. All of us have negative impacts in our um, lives environmentally social Mm -hmm. so we just have to find ways to try to minimize those impacts little by little even if we know that we are not perfect for example you were giving the example of eating uh, like quitting meat and um fish from your meals and most of the people what do is instead of just trying to completely cut it from their um, diets, what they do is, okay, let's reduce. Instead of eating meat and fish every meal, let's like eat twice a week, three times a week. And uh, that has already a huge impact. And after all, change by change, you realize, well, maybe now I can can go a little bit further Mm -hmm. or maybe I can work on other parts of my Mm -hmm. life and and maybe going back a little bit to what you were saying if I'm someone that wants to make changes but I don't know where to start there are really great uh, questionnaires out there where you can basically answer to a couple of questions you understand what are your biggest um, impacts negative impacts and then it gives you a list of suggestions on what will be the best actions for you to take in order to reduce the most your mm-hmm. impacts, we'll we'll definitely link um, some of those um, so people can do it. And so we just talked a lot about climate change. Now let's switch to to another thing that that you work on because I believe that, of course, and and then we'll get to the modern golden age because I do believe that the modern golden age is somehow related, or your vision of the modern golden age will be related to both of the both of these things. So we talked about climate change. Then another thing that you you're you're working on as well is circular economy. So for someone who doesn't know jack shit about uh, circular economy, like myself, please explain what it is, how it works, and what are its advantages. Okay, so first of all, let me just go back to why it started. Uh, we live in an, economic, in an economic model that what we do is we extract materials, we transport those materials to a factory, we build something, we sell, we use them, and then once um, it's used, it's wasted. And it goes somewhere, it's dumped uh, in a place that we cannot see, we cannot look, we think it's like, well, it's, it's somewhere there. And this system has two main problems. 
One of them is here on like on one end, we are exploiting too much natural resources. And uh, there will be a point where those natural resources will end. So we, we have this problem. If we mm -hmm. want to build things, there will be a point where we'll no longer have things. raw material, materials yeah. to build. And on the other side of the value chain, we have a waste problem. We have plastic, plastic going to the oceans. We have clothes that end up dumped somewhere. Um, and well, we have a lot of things that end up being wasted and are placed in, in, in places where we cannot look at them most of the time, mm -hmm. but have strong impacts on the environment and on society. So there are two, these two uh, forces or these two problems. Too much waste and um, we are exploiting too much resources. Too much resources. So uh, what circular economy tries to do is let's try to keep the materials in the system for as long as possible. Um, so instead of I extract, I build, I use, and I um, waste, let's try to make something different. And here enters something that I guess some of you have already heard. It's called the ladder of R's. Um, so there are several things you can do to implement circular economy uh, principles, and this can be done once again at an individual level, mm -hmm. at a government level, or at a company level. If we are talking about, and usually what you can do is first um, refuse, so like first refuse, maybe I don't need uh, to buy these, or maybe it's a necessary mm -hmm. thing that I can, um, yeah, I don't need it that much. Then you can rethink, okay, is there anything else that I can use for the same purpose. Um, there is also reusing. Uh, mm -hmm. So like buy, buying things secondhand uh, instead of buying new, if they are good, why not? You can rent things in, instead of buying. Imagine that I want to go surf in Costa de Caparica, but I don't have um, like I don't have a, 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 a surfboard. So I can surf one, I can rent mm -hmm. one for a day and then uh, use it. I will have the same amazing experience, but the cost will be much lower and I will not be sending a signal to the market that you need to produce more. Mm -hmm. um, well, you can also remanufacture the things. For example, I used to work with a, with a company that um, they were using electric batteries from uh, cars. They were using most of the components, introducing some new, and then they will have a battery for a home application uh, mm -hmm. instead of using like all of it from raw materials, they were uh, using most of it from something that will just go wasted mm -hmm. um, into something that will have a new use. And of course you can also recycle, you can also um, yeah, I mean, recycle is the last option. First of all, you, you should try to maximize 
the um, to keep the material the materials in in place and there are mm. amazing business models around a circular economy that well it really makes you see that it's something not only valuable for the planet and society let's say but it's also something that implemented in the proper way can be really nice for companies mm. can do, can you like give an example of how it would be uh, good uh, for a company to implement that model of course so for example we have in the agri food sector uh, I, i know a, a company that actually is more or less from where you, you are from and uh, what they what they do is they, well they started by producing chickens and uh, these chickens would produce um poop and would like have some bones when when like not everything was used at the end of the process they would mm. raise the chicken then they would like kill the chicken they would sell but there were some things that were um taken out from those from this process so what they have done was let's um use some of the things that at the moment are wasted and mm -hmm. incorporate to uh have like more sources of revenue for example so the poop they started to use it instead of buying fertilizers mm -hmm. they started to use it in their agriculture uh, fields to grow things so they save money in that part by using something that was it was just waste another um example some or, or how you can like innovate with circular business models There mm -hmm. is this company called, um, it, it's a Dutch company called Fairphone. And, uh, well, as you might know, we are always changing our phones, like, because it gets out of, like, it gets out of date or it starts being too slow. And what they do is instead of buying a new phone, why don't you just upgrade yours? So if you want a different camera, if you want, a better RAM memory, mm. you can just switch that part of the gear instead of buying the old thing um, new. Mm -hmm. And it's a completely new market that they are exploring and has a lot of traction, actually. So yeah. they are just creating a completely new way of doing things. Yeah, awesome. Um, and so basically what, what happens is you... Um, help companies to incorporate this new model uh, and while they do it they, they they make some changes that help to reduce climate change is that it the way you oh, mix them both i mean not not only climate change but all the social challenges that you have um yeah. the, the environmental and social challenges that you have but basically the goal is let's look at sustainability or circular economy not as something that will make your operations uh, more difficult, but something that you can both contribute to a better world mm -hmm. while being more competitive mm -hmm. in the market. You just have to do it in the proper way and with the proper uh, players around you. Because yeah. at the end of the day, I mean, you can be very benevolent and you can want to, to do a better, like, good in the world, Mm -hmm. But you, you are. If you are a company, 
you want to make sure that you are competitive so yeah. and, and that you are offering what the market is asking for mm-hmm. yeah. um so yeah most most of the time it's try to it's a challenging job because once again it's very difficult to change at like only a company level most of the times you have to change as a system mm-hmm. to really tackle the most difficult challenges mm-hmm. but it's step by step so maybe if one organization change then it leads to others to change because after all the market the, the consumers most of the time they are demanding for new solutions yeah. so if you don't adapt to this new reality you will be left behind sooner yeah. or later i mean you can lead or you can be leaded by someone yeah. else and you choose yeah that that, that makes total sense and I, i know that you're really good at your job so more organizations if someone is listening in once uh like <laughs> this 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 kind of of uh, consultant consultancy i don't know how to say it like coaching training whatever tiago does it really well um uh, and so i Because to me, you, you, everything that you, you're talking about makes absolute sense in order for us to get to a better place as humanity. And that better place in, as, it, as a species, as you know, I call it modern golden age. And one of the things that I've been doing through all these podcasts is to understand how does that look for my guests? And so that's my question to you, Tiago. Like, when you think about a modern, a modern golden age, what do you think about? And you, you can be like, there's people that go really uh, specific on like uh, aspects like infrastructures and, and, and stuff <laughs> like that. There's people that have a more philosophical view. Everything is valid to you. What's a modern golden age? Okay, so that's a big question, all right? And I, I, I should have something prepared since I was one of the persons that helped you to, to, to have this. <laughs> idea um no well, but but like let me just add uh, a, a small commentary and while i do it you can actually think about it because right. um, that's that's one of the things that i've been saying in these last few podcasts which is um when i started to, to to think about it the reason why i delayed the podcast so much was because i thought just like you said like i need to have a clear vision of, of what a model golden age is because after all I, I, i'm going to ask it to people so i might as well have a proper answer but the thing is i don't think we do like we a model golden age is definitely a, a different like andrew said that in the last episode right um like it's whatever people believe a model golden age is as long as they believe it And so I don't think you have to have this grandiose answer. I just want your, your take on it. Okay. So I would say that for me, a modern golden age, first of all, a golden age for me, it's, it's a time where human life can flourish or when, where humans can flourish. So a modern human age will be, we'll need certain ingredients in order for us to grow and to flourish as a society. And for that to happen, um, what we need, in my perspective, what we need, once again, is a systemic shift. Um, mm-hmm. For example, to start value, valuing less ownership and start looking more at the use that we give to things, valuing less material um, stuff and looking more for experiences or relationships, try to 
point less the fingers to others um, and try to bring people together and really collaborate to create new solutions, to create mm-hmm. art, to create, I mean, a beautiful world that we can live in. Um, so a modern golden age, yeah, it can be, I mean, a lot of things, but it's, it's a place where humans can flourish, can challenge, challenge themselves and can mm-hmm. live in harmony both within the human species and with the outside, like the outside human species. So with nature, yeah. with other animals mm-hmm. uh, and, and so on. Yeah, and, and that's, that's, that's beautiful. So uh, <laughs> one of the things, no, for real, one of the things that I, that I do in, in the podcast, as you know, is trying to understand like what are some of the practices and goals and beliefs and values that we need uh, to bring that modern golden age? Uh, because like um, Alexander talked about this beautiful concept, which was uh, like courageous beauty, because um, to her, she mixed those two values um, into 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 one, and I was wondering, like, modern practices. Because when we talk about practices, you'll probably answer me a, a bunch of them that we already mentioned, like practices that allows you, like, recycle, reuse, refuse. All those R's, uh, and those are specific practices that we both believe should be in a modern golden age. Um, so I was wondering, like, in your take, what are some of the common values that we as a species have to have in order to bring uh, a modern golden age into reality? I would say the most important value is love. Love slash empathy. I mean, you need to first love yourself to believe that you can flourish, you can be part of the change, you can contribute to a modern golden age or to a better society. You need to love those that are around you, um, your family, your friends, contribute to their growth, um, help them when they need, being like humble enough to ask for help when you need as well. Uh, and then you need a love for like the humankind. And even if you have differences or different, uh, different religion, religion, different uh, political view, uh, mm-hmm. if you have things that make you different, uh, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you want the same. Uh, yeah. It's a good life for you, for others. You just have a different way to express it or, or to, to make it into reality. Um, and I, I really believe that in order for a modern golden age to happen, we need to collaborate. And we can mm-hmm. only collaborate if we feel empathy for each other. And well, love, love. Is, is something that yeah. it's very powerful, even when, uh, well, this, this is something, well, this is something that comes from the time of. The, the, the golden age or the first yeah. golden age, the Greek time where I don't know which philosopher talked about a love for all, a love yeah. for all people. Mm-hmm. And uh, besides this love, we also have to love what feeds us. So mm-hmm. we have to love nature, nature. or the planet as a whole um, to make sure that we are welcomed here and that we can flourish as humankind as well yeah that's a beautiful rant on love um <laughs> like let me ask you just one more question before before we wrap this up um do you have any practices that you do in order to cultivate love i think the practice that i would say 
I do the most is try to put myself as in put myself in places where I have contact with completely different people mm-hmm. and really try to understand their views of the world, their needs, mm-hmm. what are their pains, without judging. Um, just try to connect with people that have different perspectives, different views. Because at the end of the day, if you understand someone, you will feel more close to that person, even if you don't um, share the same views as that person. But if you can dip a little bit into what motivates that person, why is the, the person the way he or she is, you can um, better connect and, and understand that, well, we have, it, it's like a cliche, but we have a lot of things that make us different. But if we like the, like the chunking up, we understand mm-hmm. that at the, end of, at the end of the day, we all want uh, the, the same. same. That yeah. is like the best for us and for the ones that are around us. Yeah. That makes total sense. Tiago, you're a fantastic human being. I really enjoy you. Uh, for everyone listening, you should definitely try to get in touch with Tiago because he has a, such a great vibe. Uh, if anyone actually wants to connect with you and to talk with you about sustainability or anything else, what's the best way to do it, Tiago? Well, probably it's through LinkedIn. At the moment, it's where I'm more active or you can even, uh, we can also leave my email in yeah. the... In the, in the description, description. if someone wants yeah. to, to reach out. We'll definitely time. do it. Tiago, once again, thank you so much. It was a pleasure to talk with you. I've learned a lot about both climate change, sustainability, and, and, and a circular economy. I hope everyone listening does too. And if you want to connect with a beautiful human being, you should definitely connect with Tiago. He's awesome. Tiago, thank you so much. Um, you. It was and- a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. And to everyone else listening, if you like the podcast, you could leave a review on your favorite podcast platform um, or subscribe. Um, that would mean the world to, to me and to what I'm trying to build. And thank you so much. I'll see you in the next episode. Bye.